so glad you're with us again for this next installment in our little series where we're investigating Easter. We're looking at some important questions that need to be answered anytime we talk about the whole topic of Easter. Last week we talked about, we tried to answer the question, I think we did a pretty good job of it, of answering the question of, hey, who would want to kill Jesus? I mean, it's the guy who uh, ministered to the poor and he took, uh, he healed sick people. He took a strong stand against political corruption. He couldn't stand religious hypocrisy. He taught the Bible like nobody else. Who would want to kill him? Well, if you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to go watch the message because we explored that there were people who were all into political power and they were into religious power and they realized that if people followed Jesus, they weren't going to be following them. And it was either Jesus or them and he had to go. And so some religious and political figures got together and they put him to death. Well, also in that discussion last week, we ended with the whole fact that Jesus knew all this was going to happen, and that's pretty much where we're starting today, that Jesus knew in advance that he wouldn't suffer and die on a cross. I mean, he knew about it in advance because he told his disciples about it in advance. I mean, listen to this. Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. These are the people into political and religious power we talked about last week. That he'd be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. When as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. I mean, Peter says, Jesus, you can't go around telling people that. I mean, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're doing all these miracles. You can't go around telling people you're going to die. I mean, that's not only was that unthinkable to him, that's just wrong. And listen to Jesus' response here. Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, and then he reprimanded Peter, get away from me, Satan. I mean, he didn't say that to the devil. He said that to Peter. Uh, Get away from me, Satan, he said. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. In fact, this is going to be a big point of what we're talking about today is that we need to see things from God's perspective. Could you read that statement together with me, please? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I mean, here was Peter when Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to suffer and die. He came into the world to die to pay the penalty for our sins. We're going to unpack what all that means today. That's why he came. And when Peter said, Jesus, come here, Jesus. Jesus, you can't go around telling people this. I mean, don't you see all the crowds that are following you? You're just going to get everybody discouraged and depressed and scare them. And that's not right. I mean, you're the Messiah. And Jesus goes, Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is exactly what the devil tried to do when Jesus started his ministry. He tried to tempt Jesus to abort his mission. He said, look, you don't have to go to the cross. You can bow down to me right here. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, and then we're finished. I mean, this was the same result or would end the same way. And Peter forgot his place. Peter thought he needed to advise Jesus on how to get things done. I'm glad I never do that. Anyway, um, no, but 
this is where you and I are too. This is why all this matters to us. We need to see things from God's perspective, not just merely a human point of view. And when we look at the cross, Jesus looked at it completely different than we do. So it's a valid question to ask, well, if Jesus knew this was coming and he knew that wicked, unscrupulous people were going to kill him, why would he let him do it? We're going to unpack that today. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I thank you that we can see ourselves in this story. It is so easy to read these stories and forget that the people in the stories were just like us. That sounded outrageous to Peter that Jesus was going to let himself be killed. You've got all this miraculous power, Jesus. That'll never happen. Besides, that wouldn't be right. Lord, I pray that today you'll help us see things from your point of view where it needed to happen. And it's exactly right that Jesus died on the cross. It was the only way that we could be saved from our sins. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and teach us what we need to learn today about your willing sacrifice. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. So Jesus willingly allowed himself to be murdered because it was the only way he could satisfy God's perfect love and perfect justice at the same time. Now, this is a big, loaded statement. But Jesus came to satisfy God's love and his justice simultaneously, and this was the only way he could do it. This is seeing the cross from God's perspective. Because a big thing that could happen in our world today, and I mean, this is a question I've been asked many times, well, look, if God is powerful and Jesus is the Son of God, if God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he just say, you know, forgive people's sins? Why don't you just say, okay, your sins are forgiven? In fact, Richard Dawkins, um, he is a, a um, very intelligent man, an evolutionary biologist who is an outspoken atheist and author, uh, travels around the world. You may have heard him. He wrote a book that became very popular a few years ago called The God Delusion. He would say that anybody who believes Jesus rose from the dead is delusional. I mean, one of his arguments in the book is this, if God wanted to forgive our sins, why not just forgive them without having himself tortured and executed in payment? I mean, why not just say you're forgiven? Well, this is an answer to that question, this point. First of all, we need to remind ourselves that God is perfect in justice, and he always does what's right. God is just. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord and how glorious is our God. He is the rock, and his deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. That was Moses in Deuteronomy 32. In Psalm 103, we find these words, The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. And justice matters to us. I mean, we want things to be made right when they are wrong. Uh, I didn't count on having a personal illustration uh, quite as effective as, as I have today. It just happened just yesterday. My wife and I, are one of our sons and his wife, they live in Nashville, and we drove to Nashville yesterday and, or on Friday to see them and spend a, just a little bit of time with them. Uh, we're going to spend the night and then come back yesterday. Well, uh, we arrived in Nashville, and we were just a couple of miles from their house, and all of a sudden the car just kind of lost power, and the little check engine light comes on. It was like, well, okay, you know, and so I called the dealership, and it was 
We got there just wasn't long before closing time, uh, Friday evening. They said, bring it in first thing Saturday morning. And so I was able to get it there and um, got it there. And uh, they checked it out. And they came out and said, the good news is we found the problem. And I said, well, what's the bad news? And they go, you need a new engine. Yeah, this is one of those things you always go, you know, the check engine light comes on. You think, well, maybe the gas cap's loose, okay, or something like that. You don't want to hear, you need a whole new engine. Well, the car is only a few years old, and it's, you know, it's still under the warranty and stuff. So they said, well, you can call the customer service line, you know, and about the warranty covering it and stuff like this. And so I called the customer service line, and I didn't want to hear that they were a friendly company. I wanted to hear that they were going to honor their warranty. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, John, we're a friendly company. Man, you look really snappy today. You look sharp. Yeah, you know, it's like, hey, thank you very much. Are you going to honor my warranty? We care about justice, and it's much more important than just honoring warranties. And when someone commits a crime, we want a justice system where criminals are caught. And we need to know that God will follow through even where our systems fail. A few years ago, I had lunch with a man um, and he was deeply concerned because one of his family members had died, had been murdered. And the perpetrator was never caught. This had been a number of years ago. And the trail had gone cold and the police had no more leads. And during the conversation, he said, John, I need to know something. I mean, you know the Bible pretty well. It's like, will God bring justice even if justice is not brought in courts in this world? I go, oh, yeah, God is just. I mean, this is important. I mean, I hope you heard this too, that the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. And this is an important characteristic of God because the next statement is also true. Not only is God perfect in justice, but God is perfect in love. He's perfect in love. And when we look at God as only one dimension of this, we get a skewed picture. But let me remind you of what the... Bible says about God being loving. This is also from Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. His unfailing love toward those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And it goes on to say he's like a loving father toward us. He loves his children, and, and he knows how weak we are. And so how do you put it all together? How do we put together that God loves us, and he's merciful and kind, but he's also just? Because if he's just love, well, then he could love us all, but he doesn't care what we do. And the whole place falls to pieces. But if he's just justice, then he's all vengeance. And does he really care about me? Well, the wonderful thing is, and it's the next point on your outline, is this, is this is why Jesus came. Because at the cross, Jesus was able to satisfy both God's love and his justice at the same time. Right here at the cross. That's what the cross was all about. In fact, Paul put it this way, but God demonstrates his great love for us uh, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. To unpack that a little further for you, Jesus came to be a sacrifice for us. In the Old Testament system, under the Old Covenant, God had made a way for the Israelites to pay for the penalty of their sins. 
And that was for an animal to die in their place, but an animal wasn't an exact replacement for people, so it had to be repeated over and over again, and people longed for a day when a permanent sacrifice could be made. And that's why Jesus came into the world, the Son of God. He was like us in every way, except he never sinned. And because of that, he could die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sins. He could satisfy God's justice. Somebody has to pay for the sin. And because he loves us, Jesus said, I will. I'll pay a penalty that you can't pay. I can't pay for your sins. You can't pay for mine because we're, we're all unjust. We're all sinners the same. I mean, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner too. I hope that doesn't shock you. I mean, I know you don't have a problem pointing out me, but you're, you got to look in a mirror too. We're all there. And Jesus said, I'll pay the penalty for all of you. Listen to it again, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, the life of the animal was in the blood, by Christ giving up his life for us, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. He satisfied God's justice and God's love at the same time, and now we can all come to him if we just come to Jesus. This is the good news of Easter. It's why we celebrate Easter every year. And we can't go past this. And it's why Jesus needed to die on that cross. That's why he came. It's interesting. Psalm 85.10 describes this perfectly. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Right here at the cross. Justice and love satisfied. God can't skip it. He can't just say, I don't care about your sin because he's perfectly just. He doesn't want to destroy us because he's perfectly loving. Man, I mean, that car is going to take a while to get fixed, but all I want to hear from the company is, yep, we're replacing that for you and we're covering all the expenses. Not, we love you, John, I hope it works out. I want both. I want them to be friendly, and I want them to fix my car. And in our Heavenly Father, we have that for all eternity. Now, a couple of other things that are important here. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus' primary reason for becoming human was to die in our place. I mean, this is what the Bible says. Jesus came to die. I need to emphasize this because you'll find all over the Internet now people are saying things like, hey, you know, when we talk about Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, that kind of divides people. Let's not focus on his death. Let's focus on his life and all the things he taught because Jesus taught us a lot about love and he modeled what sacrificial love looks like. Well, he did indeed, and that's all true. But the reason he came was this, to make us right with God. In fact, in Hebrews 2, it says this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for it's only as a human being that he could die. 
And it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. That's why Jesus came. That's why when he died and gave up his life on the cross, his last words were these. Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Could we say that together, please? It is finished. One more time. It is finished. What's finished? The payment for my sins and your sins. Our sins have been paid for in full. I got to tell you, one of the best aspects of my job as a pastor is this, is that people will come to see me after they have said something really wrong or they have done something really foolish or shameful. And they are embarrassed and they are sad and they are just convicted to their core that they are guilty of what they did. And they come to me and they say, can I tell you something that I did? Can I share with you something that I said? And I wish I'd never said it. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I knew it. and I couldn't take it back and I'm just driving myself crazy. I don't know what to do. Can you, can you help me? Can you talk with me? And so we talk. And before we get to, hey, here's how you can make things right or making amends, we first of all have to go to the business of, can you give this to God and do you understand how great it is to have God forgive you of your sins? And so we will walk through a bunch of scriptures like we've talked about here about how God loves us and he doesn't and he knows how weak we are and that he sent his son to pay the penalty of our sins and that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we'll unpack this and sometimes we'll get down on our knees and other times we'll just pray right there and we'll go, we need to confess your sin to God. And they go, oh, I don't want to tell him. I go, he already knows. Just want to let you in on a secret. Okay, but then they go, okay, well, if he knows, then why am I doing this? Well, you're doing this for you because when you confess it to God, now you're acknowledging God, I know you're right, and I know that your justice demands that I acknowledge this. I know that sin has to be paid for, and Lord, I thank you that you paid the penalty for the sin for me already. I thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me because of your great love, and I bring this to you right now. And I'll have them repeat after me a prayer, something similar to that. And so, Lord, I accept your forgiveness, and God, I accept your mercy, and I am so grateful. And there are times when people just weep. Because wrongly, they've forgotten how much God loves them, and they're just sure that God is out to get them, and he's going to get even with them. And I go, this is what happened at the cross. And if you come here today, and you need to be reminded that God loves you, and that God came into the world to forgive sins and pay the penalty of our sins, please hear it as clearly as I can say it. God loves you. He paid the penalty for all our sins, and that's why we come to him, and that's why we worship him as our Lord and our Savior. That's why Jesus came. Then after that, after we prayed, then we go, now let's talk about how to apologize, how to make amends. I go, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Well, here's even a better part. Jesus said he's going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do that. He's going to even enable you to do that. And they go, well, this is great. And sometimes when they get up and leave, they go, you know, you ought to be telling people about this. <laughs> I go, yeah, I'll consider that. Anyway, uh, that's good. We should. But that's what was finished. 
Now, another thing I want to remind us of that nails didn't hold Jesus to the cross. Only his great love for us did that. Only his great love for us did that. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. No one takes my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For the, I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and I also have the authority to take it up again. Jesus said that. And the night before he was crucified, when a big mob came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas had led the mob there and kissed Jesus and said, the one I kiss, arrest him. Well, Peter had stepped forward with a sword and slashed off a man's ear. And Jesus went over and apparently picked up the ear and reattached it. It was like a miracle. It was a miracle. And he turned to Peter and he said something amazing here. Do you think I cannot call on my father who will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Don't you think I can do that? Now, 12 legions of angels, I just want you to understand, a legion is 6,000 troops. There were 6,000 troops in the Roman army. 6,000 trained troops. And Jesus said, I could call down 72,000 angels. That's a lot of firepower. That's a lot more than Peter's sword. And he was reminding Peter, Peter, the only thing holding me to this cross is my great love for you. I am paying the price for all the sins, and what keeps me on this cross is my love for you. The nails didn't hold him there. There were people mocking him, spitting on him. I mean, it says that the religious leaders who wanted him dead laughed at him. Even one of the criminals who was crucified next to him mocked him and said, if you're really the son of God, then come down off that cross and take us with you. And I don't know about you and me, but I would have called down those legions of angels when he said that. Father, send down the angels and start with this guy. I'm done. But that's how great his love is for us. Please hear today that Jesus came to pay the penalty for all our sins because of his great love. Three responses. We need to willingly respond to Jesus' great sacrifice of love, and I think in three ways here. First of all, we need to believe in Jesus and willingly surrender our lives to him. We need to believe in Jesus. We talked about this last week. Now, believe is not just giving intellectual assent that Jesus was a real person. Believe means I really believe this whole thing, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I have conversations with people many times, and they say, well, and I go, well, do you have any kind of religious faith? Well, I believe in God. Well, good. Well, what do you believe about God? Well, I believe God is love. I go, well, good. Do you believe God is just? And they go, well, I don't know. What do you mean by that? And we talk about the fact that, that he's always right and does what's right, and sin has to be paid for. I mean, do you understand that? And they go, well, I don't know. Does it matter? And I go, it's the reason Jesus died on the cross. It's the reason he died on the cross. Jesus himself said, for God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. I believe that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus came to accomplish that on the cross. I not only believe that God loves me, I believe he sent his son to die for me. 
And if you've not made that decision, that's a decision. We're going to pray about this today. If you're joining us online, we're going to pray in a couple of minutes. I'd love for you to pray with me. But secondly, we also need to willingly love others the same way Jesus loved us. And Paul put it this way, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. Then he appeared, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And Paul said, man, if you understand how much God loved you, then love others. We know that he is going to take care of the justice portion. We don't have to do that. If there's any settling the score, the Lord will take care of it. In fact, Paul in Romans 12 said, the Lord reminds us that vengeance is mine, I'll repay. The Lord says, you go out now and model God's love and forgiveness. Tell them what I did for, me, did for you and show them what difference it makes in your life. And the final way we can respond is to tell others. Tell the whole world of Jesus' great love. For Christ's love compels us. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Inside your bulletin, you receive a little invite card to Easter services. Next weekend, we're going to be having services here in Prattville on Friday night and on a sunrise service at 6 a.m. and then services here, three services here like we normally do. Because our space is limited, we're hoping that you can come at a time where you can bring friends and if you please help us just by registering online and stuff so we can make sure we have enough room for everybody. But there's plenty of room on the hilltop at 6 a.m. And every time people come to one of those sunrise services, they go, oh, this is incredibly powerful. I can't wait for Easter weekend. I love to tell people all this is true. My sins, your sins, they've all been paid for at the cross. God loves us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. And I want the whole world to know. And I hope you do too. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about Easter. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't just skip our sin. Father, it sounds like a reasonable argument that you could just skip it, but Lord, that's who you are. You are justice personified. And you can't lie. You can't deny yourself. And so, God, we thank you that, Lord, you satisfied every requirement at the cross. And so, Lord, we come before you today, and we thank you that you died on the cross for us. Lord, I want to know my sins are paid for. I want to know that things will be made right. I want to go to heaven where things are right and there's no more sin, there's no more sorrow, there's no more suffering ever again. And Father, that means you're not only loving, but you're good. And so, God, we thank you for Christ and we thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you today and surrender our lives to you. 
And if you've not surrendered your life to the Lord and said, Lord, I come before you, I need a Savior. I realize how sinful I am. I just come before you, Lord, and I surrender my life to you. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please wash me clean. And Father, for those of us who've been Christians for a while, we pray too, Lord, that we would be able to demonstrate your love for others, that we would have the same attitude that Jesus had. Lord, he stayed on that cross out of love, and Lord, I pray that we will stay involved in people's lives even when people are mean and mistreat us, even when people are rude to us, even when people are unkind and unforgiving and they misunderstand what we're trying to do. Lord, I pray that you'll remind us to love people and pray for them and not give up. And Father, I pray that you would put a desire in our heart to tell the whole world, Easter weekend's coming up next weekend. We got a perfect opportunity. Easter is about so much more than chocolate bunnies. And God, I pray that you'll put somebody in our path this week that we could invite and say, why don't you come to church with me? Come to a hilltop at 6 a.m. Come join me online. Come worship with me. God, there are so many people who need to know your love. There are so many people who need to know. They're very convinced of their sin. They're not convinced of your love. And other people, Lord, they know you're a loving God, but they don't know how things can be made right. And they need to hear the story of Easter. They need to hear the story of Jesus. So give us the words to say. Open our eyes. We give this all to you. In the wonderful name of Christ, we pray. Amen.